when he gave me life. I was dead in my sins, hopeless, any dream of life crushed. In the grip of darkness, without any true source of light, chose me when I had nothing to offer him, but that's who he is. His love flowed through my soul. He said, awake, awake. All right, well, I promise to try to keep it together this morning uh, because this has already been incredible, as Paul has said. Like, what a Sunday. I just, uh, he, he asked us if we had felt God's smile, and I just resonated with that so much. Like, that is the sense that I've had today, is the overwhelming joy of God. The joy of God. To be able to come together on Friday and then yesterday and waiting Saturday, there is such a, a somber uh, uh atmosphere over those days, but we know that today was on its way. That Sunday was coming, and now we stand in the full glory of our risen King. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so, so, so excited. If you're new with us this morning, thank you for being here, whether online or in person. My name is Pastor Mitch. I'm the campus pastor here in Canada, and this is an incredible church. Wow. Those prison packs, I got to uh, actually go and personally deliver them this past week in the middle of an ice storm uh, to uh, the uh, detention center in Orleans. We handed out over 740 packs uh, that day. It was incredible. It was incredible to see the doors opened for us to be able to go in and do that. And that is what we are also celebrating today, amen, that the doors have been opened. Man, the songs that we sang this weekend— just carry the depth of meaning behind them. That you know, when death was erected and my life began, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, welcome. This is the place for you today. And that is our prayer in this place, is that this would be the day that your life would start afresh. That you'd be able to find Jesus in this place. Oh, God is so good. I'm literally like vibrating right now. Like I can feel it. Like just, God is so good. He is risen. He is risen. On Good Friday, if you were with us, we joined and, and, and talked about the finished work of God, how Jesus answered the question of what is wrong in the world? And we brought forward the all the different options and, and things that run through our mind as even right now here today, you're thinking through that, that we may have different words that we give to it, but Jesus identified the one thing that was wrong was it was us. It was us. And the solution was him. 
But Easter Sunday is all about power. Resurrection, overwhelming, overcoming power. And what a day to celebrate. We also want to talk today and dig into this, this, this interesting word that I don't think it's talked about enough in church, even though we all experience it. And that thing is called doubt. And so not only this morning do we want to talk about the overwhelming power of Jesus, but we also want to bring to our attention this morning that his is not the only power that's at work in our life on a daily basis. Scripture tells us that when we struggle, it is not against flesh and blood, but that it is against the principalities, that there are other things working and striving for our attention. That the reason that Jesus had to go to the cross was because the enemy is seeking to kill and destroy. But God sent his son to stand in for us so that our lives could be marked with eternity. In Genesis chapter 3, we go to the first tree and see this, 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 this war that is raging behind the scenes. Genesis 3, 1-5 says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God did say, You shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, come on, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Knowing good and evil. As we enter in this story, we see that God has provided much to Adam and Eve. There's a specific tree that he's asked them not to eat to eat of. But look at the power of his generosity found in the garden. They get to name all the animals. Hippopotamus, right? Good on them. Why? I don't know, right? Giraffe. I don't know what you would call that thing with a seven foot tall. But that's where we went. You look at the power of God's generosity found in the garden. The entire garden is for their consumption. He's walking with them on a daily basis. But he does ask one thing. Don't eat, don't touch of this tree. And the enemy comes along and, 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 and notices and, and, and precisely digs in with his own power. And, and we know this, church. The enemy is a liar. He's a liar. And his attention draws towards this single tree, and, and his intention in his lie is to do one thing, to erode Eve's trust in God, to sow the seed of doubt. See, where there is settled trust in God, the enemy will try to sow the seed of doubt. The power of darkness always tries to thwart what God is doing and what it is that he's establishing. Doubt in and of itself is not a sin. But allowing that doubt, that seed of doubt, to sow into your soul can produce in you unfaithfulness, can produce in you disbelief, 
I've watched as the seed of doubt, maybe one unanswered question or, or, or one thing that they thought was real, that they thought was where God was. I've watched as individuals have, uh, have not settled that thing with God and instead allowed it to sow so deep to where they thought that Jesus was in one place, but when he wasn't where they thought that he should be, their life went a different direction. It's like my trust for Briar's ice cream. I don't know if you remember that scandal, but I was aghast. I remember watching on, on YouTube, because I haven't had cable in a long time, but I remember watching on YouTube the stories that covered Briar's, I used to think it was ice cream, but apparently it's never been. And they, they, they brought the container to the front of the screen and it said frozen dessert. And I looked at those words and said, what is frozen dessert? And that's when I knew, and I now check all of my ice cream that actually says ice cream on it, because Briars let me down. <laughs> See, in our own lives, when God doesn't show up in the way that we want him to show up, we can enter into those same situations, asking those same questions, right? Well, God, you weren't there in this moment. How can I trust you to be there as the circumstances coming up in my life again? I've navigated this with my own children. Six and seven years old as they say, Dad, I've been praying to God and he just won't answer. Where is he? And starts to ask those questions. Can I actually trust that God will be in the midst of my storm? Can I actually believe that God will answer my prayer this time when that other prayer is still on the shelf? Can I actually believe that it's ice cream and not just frozen dessert? <laughs> but church, we follow the one who can be trusted who has proven over and over and over again the authentic power of his nature. And so we're going to dig into that this morning. Because now we fast forward to the second tree. And on Friday, Jesus was crucified. And all of the disciples and all of the people that had followed this man watched as he hung and died on the cross. Though he had told them that this was coming, they did not believe that Jesus would ever be taken from them. On Friday, we make note of different verses where the guards and the people around, they, they taunt Jesus while he's on the tree. Well, if he truly is the Son of God, let's watch the Father send his angels. Church, I want to let you know today, he could have. He could have. Because he is that guy. Jesus is that guy. The things that they were taunting him with, they were not false accusations. But instead of leaning and instead of escaping the pain and the torment of the cross, our sin kept him there. And so the disciples by Sunday, they've been through waiting Saturday. Not fully understanding what today was about to bring. And in the wake of the disciples' failure, failures and fear of an unknown future, this is what's taking place in their hearts. Doubt is beginning to seek in. Did we really know who he was? He had all those miracles that he worked on the Father's behalf. Was he really the Son of God? Why did he leave us? 
All these questions that the disciples have. See, we have the the foreknowledge of what it is that's about to take place on this beautiful Sunday. But we also have to read the story for what it is. Eleven real men, women, and followers of God who honestly were in this situation where doubt was sinking deep. See, whose power we trust fluctuates when Jesus isn't where we think he should be. On Sunday morning, a group of women go to where they believe Jesus would be. But unlike darkness, Jesus always meets us precisely where we are. Luke 24, 1-3 says, But on the first day, Cassie already read this this morning. Let's read it again. But on the first day at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. They had prepared these spices. They, uh, they had walked up to the tomb assuming that they understood what it was that was going on. But church, they had no idea the story that God was writing. See, in, in, in Genesis 3, one fallen angel seizes the moments of perplexity to sow doubt about who God is. But on Resurrection Sunday, we see two angels seize this moment to glorify the Father. Luke 24, 4-9, While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Come on. He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and to be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of these things to the eleven and all the rest of them. Matthew 28 gives us a different version of this story where as the women hear these words, they depart with great joy but also great fear. And what does Jesus do? He meets them. He meets them on the road and as he does, all fear is gone. Mary Magdalene, Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women, they remember and they believe. The first evangelists found in Scripture are women. Please do not tell me that women do not belong in ministry. It's not a discussion that we should have. We see God active in the lives of his creation. Amen? And these women, in their faithfulness to, to, to God, even though the, their Savior had, had died, they were going to, to honor his body, but instead they met first with the risen Lord. And they go and they tell the other disciples, but the other disciples haven't seen the angels. They weren't there at the tomb. And, and we see that the seed of doubt that was sown on Good Friday has began to settle in. And, and, and we read in, in Luke 24, 11, that even though the, the women, they told them, these words seemed an idle tale. And the disciples did not believe them. See, where trust wanes, doubt increases. And whose power we trust and fluctuates when Jesus isn't where we think he should be. There's this constant tug in our lives. You know, the steering wheel of our soul as we battle with where it is that we will stand with God. Whether we will rest in our trust or lean into our doubt. Doubt itself isn't the problem, but where we direct it, that's where it becomes problematic. Problematic. 
I don't believe that God is afraid of your doubt. I actually don't believe that doubt in and of itself is bad. I think that there are times where doubt produces some really important questions in our lives. Amen? Amen? Okay. I, like, please understand this. God is not afraid of your doubt, and we can't be either. The questions that are resting on your heart, why would you ever wonder? Like, there's a possibility that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, as you dig into this question and God meets you in that moment, let doubt fade away, let trust rise, and let God be God. See, sometimes because we're so afraid of our doubts, we don't ask those questions. And that, in that way, we allow the enemy to not only plant the seed of doubt, but to allow it to sow deep. Here at Life Center Canada, I want to encourage you, ask those questions. Ask them of each other. Ask them of your pastors. Take it to the Word. Ask the Father. Do not allow your doubt to lead to silence. Do not allow your doubt to lead to frustration. Do not allow your doubt to lead to disbelief. Instead, allow your doubt to propel you towards God and where it is that he wants to meet you. Because watch what he does in the life of his disciples. John 20, 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus, could, st Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. In one sense, Resurrection Sunday morning begins with the women of the tomb marveling how Jesus isn't here. But then by the evening, there's this great, powerful reversal. Jesus enters into the room where the disciples are, and he says, Hey! Why are you here? John 20, 20 to 21. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How I love the power of God's resurrection reversal. Fear and doubt have driven the disciples. They can drive us to a places where we hide, where, 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 where we cower in behind these places. Or fear and doubt can drive us to situations that we were not created to live in. But Jesus goes into that room, not even so much to get in, but to get his disciples out. Out from a place of living in fear and back into a place of living by faith. He's calling his disciples out from a place of living in doubt and into this section of overcoming trust. Out from a place of living insecure of others and, and afraid of what may happen and into the abiding love of the Father. But glory be to God, this is not only for them, but also for us today. Because the story doesn't stop there. See, there is still one. His name was Thomas. One of the twelve called the twin. He wasn't with them when Jesus came into the room. And so when the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the hands, that mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. And for eight days, what Thomas felt was powerful. And the doubt that was seeping in, the seed had been began to sow, but even though his doubt was powerful, it never made it true. What Jesus does for the eleven, he also does for Thomas. 
And what Jesus has done for others in this room, church, he will also do for you. Come on. Come on. I know that some of us have been asking God for different things, asking for him to show up in different situations of health or loved ones or whatever the case may be. And there is this, 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 oh, just this disunity that can take place in our lives when we watch another believer receive the promise that we've been playing for. And we need to get that out of our system. Church, what I want to encourage you is what Thomas was learning in this moment is that what God had already done in the lives of the other disciples, he was also going to do for Thomas. And when we see God step into a moment and there's testimony of the greatness of who God is, let's rise in celebration and hold on to the promise that what he's done for them, he will also do for me. Because that's who our God is. He will not leave you in your fear. He will not leave you in your doubt. He will not leave you in your death. But instead, he will send his son again and again and again. The cross was the clearest picture of that. But before you leave today, talk to someone else in the room about where they've seen Jesus. And watch him show up in stories again and again and again. Eight days Thomas is watching as the disciples are losing their minds and they're going around and telling everybody about the risen Jesus, but he just can't get there because God didn't reveal himself to him. The questions that Thomas must have asked, why wasn't he in that room? What was going on? Why did he miss his opportunity? Maybe if he had just prayed more, maybe he would have been prepared. The things that must have been going through his mind are all too real because I think at one time or another, we've all been there too. Is the fact that Jesus didn't show up for me, is it my fault? But what if Jesus is just writing your own testimony? John 20, 26 to 29, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and this time Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. The truth of Resurrection Sunday is that Jesus has overcome sin, hell, death, and the grave. He has overcome the world. Even if we have lived in a moment where we have succumbed to temptation or doubt or trust, there is good news this morning. In Genesis 3, the same chapter as, Eve, uh, as we read already about Eve, God made a promise that in Christ he fulfilled this weekend. He spoke to the deceiver in Genesis 3, 15, and he said, He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. On the cross, Jesus was, risen, was wounded. But on the third day, he was risen. On the cross, Jesus was bruised, but now he is our healer. And though Jesus was crushed, never was he conquered. Jesus is our Savior, and he is also Lord of all. Resurrection power is all about getting you in Christ, in Christ getting all the power of darkness out of us, out of our family, out of our church, out of this world. In worship today, I felt the presence of God 
remind me and I, I want to remind each of us today that he is writing the story. Church, I want to just remind you this morning that he is writing the story. No matter what it is that we see that's going on in the world and how broken we see and how much that the enemy would try to place evil at the forefront, God is writing the story. And the story that we find in the book of Revelation is that this earth is on the journey towards redemption. That one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so my challenge is why not today? Why not today? Let's celebrate together our risen God who has entered into story after story after story that's found here. Some of us had locked rooms and God stepped in and said, it's me. Some of us have been in deep seasons of doubt. But God has risen his son from the dead. So that just as it says in Romans 16, 20, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. When you are tempted, turn to Jesus. If you're trapped by fear and doubt, let Jesus come and pull you out of that place. Trust that he is forever good, even when Jesus isn't where you think he should be. Trust that he is writing the story. This morning, Life Center, we trust in the only one, the exclusive power who laid down his life for us because he alone held the authority to pick it up again. Sometimes Jesus isn't where we think he should be. But he's always right where he needs to be in our story. Let's pray this morning and we'll stand and we'll worship together. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you have doubts and you have questions, you're in the right place. We want to encourage you to ask those on your journey, but we also want to encourage you that you don't have to have all the answers to meet with Jesus. You don't have to have it all figured out to allow God in this moment to turn your life around. Jesus didn't wait for Thomas to finally get his act together. Jesus didn't look at Thomas and say, oh, for shame. Look at everybody else. They all believe. Is their story not enough? No, God met with Thomas himself. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he can do that for you this morning. And so I'm going to close in prayer this morning. But if that's you and you've never given your life to God and you just sense this desire to surrender your life, to be forgiven of your sins, to start your journey afresh today, I just encourage you as I'm praying, have a conversation with God yourself. Tell him you love him. Tell him you believe that he did send his son to die for you on the cross. That in Jesus' death that you believe that your sins can be forgiven. Surrender those things to him. Those things that you've been carrying that have been such a weight on your life, surrender them to Jesus and watch just as the disciples watched on the third day that in God's resurrection power, your life can be made new. And if you do that today, I encourage you to take out one of those connect cards that are right in front of your seat. 
and allow us to be able to connect with you this week, but also talk to someone. Tell someone about who God is because today is just the beginning of that journey. There's a life, lifetime of freedom that's available for you today. Kanata, let's pray. God, we love you. And we are so thankful this morning to be together in this room. Thank you, God, for the freedom to worship. Thank you, God, for the freedom to praise. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that our lives don't look the same because of you. God, all the plans and, and, and the directions that we would have taken it, Lord Jesus, I pray that once again, that we would surrender our stories to you today. That we would renew our trust in who you are, God. For those in the sound of my voice, whether online or in person, Lord Jesus, who they've been believing and they've been asking and they've been praying, Lord God, and, and, and they've just had these seasons of doubt that have seeped in, God, I pray that they would ask those questions again. God, I pray that they would lean in one more time. God, I pray that they would dig into your word just once more, God, and watch as you show up in resurrection power. God, make a way where there seems to be no way. Lord Jesus, surround these people today, Lord God, each and every one of our Life Center family. Lord, may they be surrounded with other believers who would encourage, who would tell stories of your greatness, who would be able to lean on and be leaned on in all the seasons that we find ourselves in. God, I believe that today marks the beginning of something new. And so, Lord, for those in this room that even now, as, as we're speaking to you, God, are surrendering their lives to you, may their lives never be the same. God, I pray that we would have stories out of today of resurrection power. Thank you for your story, Lord Jesus, for the Holy Spirit that you have released on this world, that we can also have stories of individuals today, God, that will celebrate their lives never being the same. So, Lord, this week, be with our kids. Be with our families. Lord Jesus, be with each and every person that's represented here. May we carry your name. Scream it from the rooftops. Because as people get their electricity back, if they're still without you, there is no power. And so, God, we ask that your name would be made known in our neighborhoods, in our families, and through our lives. And we ask this today in your holy name. Amen.